Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So yeah, this week, I really felt like, um, you know, the, the word that God had for me to share with you guys, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I, I had a good time just lo- sort of looking through the scriptures and seeing all the, you know, the different aspects of the story that we'll be sharing with you today. But um, I have a question just to start everything out for you today. Um, I'm not sure what you're, I, I know we have like fluctuations in terms of age range here today, but anyone remember whenever they got their permit? Like for, I don't know if it's different in different states, but like in PA, you know, when you're 16 years old, you have this moment in your life where you're counting down the days and you get to go and the DMV, sit there for about four days. And finally, when they call your name, you get to go up to this computer and they ask you 20 questions. And if you get 17 right, that's not enough. You got to get 18 at least. <laughs> so it's this, it's this terrifying moment, really, because you're like, man, my friends know I'm about to get my permit right now, especially these days. Like, you're probably on Snapchat, like, getting my permit, you know? And so everyone kind of knows, like, all right, well, he's 16 or she's 16, so they're probably going to go get their permit. I wonder if they passed. I passed my first time, but I wonder if he's going to pass his first time. I didn't pass my first time, but I passed my second time. But anyway, so this this moment in my life, I have my permit, and um, whenever I had my permit, there were these two different, very different aspects of the one coaching me how to drive. See, I had my father, and then I had my mother, um, two very different individuals in, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> um, but see, whenever I was driving with my dad, what I learned very quickly was he wasn't going to say anything to me until maybe like after I hit the mailbox. And then he'd be like, yeah, so it's probably a good idea to move over to the right or the left a little bit so that you don't hit things. And then there was the opposite end of the spectrum where when I was driving with my mom, and this is still true today, even though I've had my license for a long time, but if I'm driving with my mom, it's more like I'm, <laughs> I'm driving like 10 and 2. I'm driving like just at the speed limit, but for some reason still she's like hanging on to the little like handle like, oh my gosh, we're going to crash. And it's like, mom, I'm like right in the middle of the road. I'm driving the speed limit and I got 10 and 2 on the wheel, so we're good to go. But for some reason, there's just always something that, that she sees that I don't, I guess. So <laughs> uh, see, these are the two differences between, between um, their points of view of of my driving skills or lack thereof. Um, my wife tends to agree a little bit more with my mom on that. <laughs> so uh, I thought I was going to be done with that after I moved out, but not so much. But it's all good. They all mean well. So there's this one time, actually, that uh, this was actually, this is when I had my license. So we're good to go. Like, I, I was good enough in, in the eyes of the state even to have a license. So I'm, I'm a professional driver at this point. And we're driving down this highway. I believe it was Route 8, but I'm with my mom in the car. Just having a good day. I think we were running errands, probably shopping a little bit. Um, go Coles. And so we got my car washed, which was probably the first time I ever did that after four years or so. So I got my car washed, and we're driving down this highway. And there was a car in front of me that was stopped because they were trying to turn left. 
and I hate waiting for cars when they're trying to turn left. So I'm trying to look in the, the rear view mirror and I'm like, all right, let's see if someone's coming. People are like flying by and stuff. And I was like, all right, I got this opportunity if I do it right now. So I go to turn into the next lane and my mom goes, oh my gosh. And I was like, what? So I slam the brakes and I'm like, what, what, what happened? She's like, there's a puddle right there and you just got your car washed and you're gonna get your car dirty. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? So then I had a little bit of a panic attack. I may have even passed out for a couple seconds because it scared everything out of me. <laughs> so um, see, this is kind of like what I was dealing with in this moment. So, so I was seeing in my rear view mirror, I was good to go. I could merge over to this other lane and, and I could get around this car that was taking 10 years to turn left. But then my mom saw a completely different side where there was a puddle and she really didn't want my car to get dirty because I just got it clean. So I just think it's really funny how, how everyone in our lives, um, really in the world, everyone has a different mindset. Everyone has a different view of, of maybe even the same situation. So there's different vantage points here of how people will see certain things. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because um, I feel like this is something that, that happens, it's really just a part of life, that everyone always has a different view. So maybe maybe you view um, certain things like you, you view things differently than people in your workplace. You view different, you view things differently than maybe your other friends, or um, maybe you view faith differently. Uh, maybe you view just like relationships or family differently. And, and this isn't something that um, we should be like ashamed of. We shouldn't be ashamed of the vantage point that we might have. I feel like oftentimes for me, even if I don't view my faith or if I don't view uh, it's maybe like a, a story in the Bible or something the same way as a pastor who I look up to, that I'm doing something wrong. But that's, that's not true. A lot of times I can get caught up in that mindset. But, but the reality is that God speaks to us in different ways um, specifically to ourselves, and I think that's awesome. So it's easy to get caught up in that, but but I feel like whenever we're confident in what our vantage point is on things, and that that's important to do, um, because we all have a brilliant mind. We all have something to bring to the table, and that's what I love about about how God created us, because we're not all the same. So maybe you're like a very logical person, and you you feel like you need to sort of think through things. You need to um, understand why things are the way that they are, whether that's in faith, whether that's in life, whatever it may be. Uh, maybe you're very intellectual where you really like to um, see something and you like to look into it. You like to look into it deeper, find the ins and outs of things. Or, or like myself, I'm a little bit more of like a free spirit, like, oh, well, Jesus said that I can heal the sick, so I'm going to go over here and pray for this guy right now. Um, or I just have, uh, I don't really have a difficult time um, when I'm reading scripture of just the whole idea of like the spiritual world and things like that. Um, so maybe you're like me in that way. Maybe you um, like to just look at theology and you're like, this is why it is this way. This is why it's that way. But everybody has something different to offer, and I think that's awesome. So um we're going to look at a story in the Gospels, and this story appears three different times in the Bible, but it's the same exact story. It's the same exact moment in history that took place here, and um, the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're called that because basically throughout each of these Gospels, this happens often. There's about 40 different stories that are the same in these three Gospels, but they're told in a little bit of a different way because they're all from different vantage points. Um, so each of the writers 
it's believed to be Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, but we're not really totally sure, but that's really besides the point. But each of these writers has a different um, mindset. They focus in on a couple of different things, or maybe they said something in a different way to portray what they really felt happened in the situation. So um, we're going to look at this story, and uh, I think it's really cool because it's just the, the story is just a very honest um, it's, it's like very applicable, I feel like, to my life because as I was reading it, I was like, man, I really tend to think like, like these disciples in this story often or, um, or I see the way that Jesus responds to, to these people in my life even. He sometimes has to set me straight. Um, but I'm going to stop cliffhanging you here and we'll just dive right in. Cool? So the, the first scripture is in Matthew. And uh, before I go on, I just wanted to quickly... Just pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us today because as I share these three different vantage points, I feel like um, like God has something specific for you because you might connect more with one side or one of the stories more so than the other. And I think everyone here of, of all the people that are here might connect differently. So um, so is that, is, if that's cool, if we could just bow our heads real quick for the sake of me getting this out the way that God wants me to. But God, I thank you for the opportunity just to share what your heart is this this morning. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would just speak to each one of us and that, that you would get the point that you have specifically for each one of us this morning, that you would get it across to us, Jesus. And and um, just pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. All right, so Matthew 18, 1 through 5. This is um, this this will be the first of, of this story in, in the Bible. It says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So in this moment, it's it's interesting to see how the disciples, they're focused on something completely off. They're focused on becoming the greatest. So so I see, I see in this in this part of this passage that when you're focused on becoming the focal point, um or when you're not focused, sorry, when you're not focused on becoming the focal point, God will make you the focal point. So in this context, you see the disciples are, you know, probably talking amongst themselves, and they're like, nah, man, I'm the greatest. I was just hanging out with Jesus for three hours yesterday, and you were off, like, eating some fish or something. But, like, they, they're, like, sort of talking amongst themselves, like, like, I think I'm the greatest. So, Jesus, what do you, what do you say? And, and Jesus just sort of, in that moment, exposes their, their hearts. They're like, Guys, this is not what this is all about. So when we just sort of set aside, I, I feel like we oftentimes get caught up in that religious aspect of things like, man, I read my Bible for a week straight, and so I'm good to go. So Jesus probably thinks I'm, I'm doing really well right now. But um, the reality is really that, that Jesus isn't really concerned necessarily with, with us trying to get to that next level. He's not really concerned with us being super fantastic and great and stuff. What he's concerned with is, is as he said in this, in this passage, that he called a child up to him. It's an innocent little young, young, uh, I think young boy. And he just said, this is what 
it's all about right here. Like this little innocent child is, is what you guys should be acting like because he's not concerned with being greater than you. He probably thinks like he's very insignificant even in that moment because it's a child among, among men in that, in that situation. So Jesus shifts the perspective saying that we need to be more like this young innocent child than, than, and then break out of your mindset of trying to become the greatest. So then, um, We'll look at the next passage that's in Luke, and again, the same, the same moment in history, but sort of told with different things that are highlighted by, um, by this writer. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 46 and 48, it says that an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. So this time they're arguing about it. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he took a little child and had them st- or had him stand beside him. Then he he said to them, "Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest." So again, Jesus, he just tells them, "Stop being so concerned." So even though these guys are all arguing together, they're all fighting against each other to try to try to be the coolest, try to be the top dog. Jesus, again, just, um, he shows them the perspective to, to be humble. So instead of lifting yourself up, to be humble means to lift all of those around you up. So whenever you are focused more on um, helping others succeed, when you're focused on helping other people around you get to that next level to, to become greater, really, then that's whenever Jesus, he sees your heart, he sees that you are being selfless in that, and that's whenever he's going to lift you up, because that's really the heart of God. So I feel like this is really, um, really interesting that this story took place about 2,000 years ago, but I feel like like this kind of stuff just happened like yesterday. This This kind of stuff happens all the time. This is really the the idea of the American dream where you have to, um, you know, get your degree maybe or, or you're working really hard and you have to work long hours and then that's the only way that you can get better. That's the only way that you can step up and get to that next level. And it doesn't matter what people around you are doing, but you need to be better than them so that people can see that you are the greatest. And once you hit that, that's whenever you become what the American dream looks like. But the reality is really the opposite. God says that as he calls his child beside him, he says we need to humble ourselves like this child. And whenever we are focused on those around us, when we're focused on helping other people succeed and we're not focused on ourselves, that's whenever Jesus will come in and he will lift you up because of that, because of your heart. And then the last time that this is, this is spoken in, in the scriptures is in Mark, in chapter 9. So Mark chapter, Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 37, it says that they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? So now Jesus is asking them, because he is like probably hearing them bicker and just shaking his head a little bit. I, I always feel like whenever, whenever I'm losing my focus that God is probably up there kind of like chuckling a little bit like, come on, man, you know what you're supposed to be doing. But um, so in this moment, you know, Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. So sitting down, Jesus called the 12 
and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So he took a little child whom he placed among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So I think that this one is probably the most applicable to me today because um, often I feel like these disciples were ashamed in that moment. Often whenever I am not doing things the way that God has called me to or when I'm not doing life or I'm not focused on the proper things, whether it's in my ministry, in my life, in my job, in my family, whatever it is, often I feel like I'm ashamed because I screwed up. I'm ashamed because I didn't do it right, but in that shame, it's like I'm hiding it from God. And where does this come from? Because it's, it's confusing to me because, you know, God, he wants to be with us all the time. He's always pursuing us, but yet we feel like he doesn't know whenever we did something wrong. You, you can look all the way back to the Garden of Eden whenever Adam and Eve even sinned. And, and for some reason, they felt like they could hide from God. They, they understood what they did. They sinned against God. They didn't obey what he had commanded them to do. And they thought that they could hide from him and that everything would be all good and that he would never figure it out. And I don't know where this comes from, but it's, it's like, a, for me, it's like, it's like a, a virus within me where I feel like when I'm not perfect or, or when I'm not doing things properly, when I don't do it perfectly, that I get this shame, I get this almost like this fear that God is going to judge me or he's going to be upset with me and he's not going to want to like hang out with me or he's not going to want to hear my prayers or whatever or he doesn't want to hear my worship. But that's so far from the truth because um, it shows that even when you feel this shame and, and you mess up, I think that Jesus is sort of showing the disciples like this is what I want. He wraps this child up in his arms. He places this child in his arms, it says, just to show that he loves he loves this, the innocence of this child. He loves the, the honesty of this child. And so I'm not sure if that, if that is the same with you today. I don't know if you struggle with that. I don't know if you struggle with, with shame or feeling like you might not be good enough. But it just doesn't really make sense why I even think that way because that's really the whole purpose that God, that Jesus came down to earth. You know, we think of, John 3.16, that's like the most famous scripture, I would say, at least in our culture. But we often forget, I feel like John 3.17 is even better because it portrays exactly like the foundation of God's purpose for sending his son to earth. See, Jesus doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't want to look down on you and say that you messed this up. I called you to this and you didn't listen to me or... I called you to greater things and you're just stuck in this place or you're plateauing in your faith, but he doesn't want to punish us for things like this. What he wants to do is he wants to lift us up from that because, you know, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And that's beautiful. That's just the love that God has for us. But then it goes further in, in, in verse 17, it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It says right there, God didn't send his son to condemn us. He didn't send Jesus to this earth so that we can feel shame or so that we can feel broken or, or stuck in the things that we've dealt with. 
but so that he could save the world through us. He is not a condemning God, but he is a God who is just constantly pursuing us and wants to show us love. So that's why, that's why Jesus decided to leave a perfect heaven. This is the mission of Jesus. He left a perfect place to come to earth so that he could save us, so that he could show us his love in the most perfect way. So just to close that section out right there, if you feel like you are ashamed, if you feel like you're never going to be good enough, Jesus doesn't see you that way today. He sees you as his child. And whenever you give your life to him, everything that you have ever done, everything that you ever struggle with from now until the rest of your life and anything before, it is all wiped away in the eyes of God. I know that's hard to believe because God knows everything, right? But I, I, I like to think that he's really good at forgetting stuff too. Because if God's word tells me that I am whiter than snow whenever I've given my life to him, whenever I uh, ask him to forgive my sins, they're never coming back. He's never going to con- count those against us. He is not one who keeps a record of the wrongs that we have done. So, in this story, I feel like there's this, there's this, this, this difference here of how the disciples and the apostles are thinking, which is funny because I can probably connect more with them, which is not what we're supposed to do, but that's life. <laughs> that's just the human condition. But Jesus, it's almost like he's comparing what the disciples are doing to with how we should act how the, the child is in this story. So the child is just this innocent young boy. And so in the first passage, it says that Jesus places the child among them. So to me, I feel like he wanted to take probably the least likely person that you would think in that room that Jesus wanted to use in his for his message point, so to speak. But this child who who people probably didn't even notice until Jesus called him up, he brings the child among them because he wants to use this child to make a point. So I feel like when I see that, it's almost like Jesus, he wants to he wants to use you to share his story. He wants to place you among him and among the world so that you can share his story because he considers you able to do that. And then in the next passage, it says that whenever Jesus caught the child, he placed him next to him. And I like to sort of dive into to scripture sometimes just to see like why certain words are used or why they're portrayed a certain way. But whenever you really look into the concept and the traditions of that time of be, being placed next to someone, what it really means is you can sort of think of how um, scripture says that Jesus will be placed at the right hand of God. The reason they say this is not necessarily that whenever Jesus is at the right hand of God, he can just sit there on this throne for the rest of his life. But what it's really saying is that the right hand, that's like the the dominant hand. Sorry, lefties, but that's just sort of normal. (laughs) Um, But the right hand is typically more of like the dominant hand. So what it's saying is that whenever you're at the right hand of God or whenever Jesus places you beside him, what it's meaning is that he is placing all of his authority. He is placing everything that he has upon you in that moment. So um, you can stand in confident authority that he has given that to you. And one of my favorite scriptures is 
uh, in Matthew, it says that I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And what that means to me is that Jesus is giving us the authority that he has. So whenever we feel like we're not good enough, when we feel like we can't break through the struggles that we have, Jesus is telling us he has already given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, which means that anything that we pray for, whenever we lose God's power upon our lives, when we say, Father, I lose your Holy Spirit on my life and I want you just to bless me and to give me the strength that I need or the boldness I need to share your story with others, Jesus wants to do that for you. He promises that he has already done it. And then whenever you are struggling with things that, that Satan's trying to throw at you, whenever you're dealing with temptations, you can just say, in Jesus' name, you have no power over me because God has given me the power because he defeated you 2,000 years ago when he died and he rose again. So that's, that's what he means when, whenever it says that he stands next to him. It's like a symbol saying, like, this is you. It's almost like I feel like Jesus is looking 2,000 years ahead of time and saying, like, this is everyone at Encounter Church. This is you. You are this child that I place next to me. And then the last is that he, he, he places the child in his arms. And, and I love that the most. I think that's beautiful because, you know, with everything else that we know about God, with everything else that we hear about, you know, the power of Jesus, the, the redemption, the forgiveness, and everything that, that our faith really has for us, Whenever I see this, this is what really hits me because it shows me that regardless of what we do, regardless of the decisions we make, or regardless of the amount of times that we run away from what God has for us, he just constantly wants to wrap you up in his loving arms as a father would his child. It, it really parallels to, I feel like, just the, the idea of, of a dad where Whenever I was younger, if I screwed something up, sure, my dad might get mad at me. For one, he's not perfect, but just for the parallel reasons, um, he, would, he might get mad at me, but, and there would be discipline involved. But if I screwed something up, it's not like he didn't love me anymore. It's not like he would just say, all right, well, I'm done with you. You've screwed up one too many times, so... See ya. Like, go live your life. I'm done. That's not how it was. Every time, my father would forgive me. And, and he would help me get better. He would help me move past the things that I was dealing with. And that's how, that's how God is in our lives. Because he loves you unconditionally. But, but he does it in a perfect way. So that's, that's, that's the good thing about, about God as compared to my dad. I mean, he's a pretty cool dad. But he's not perfect. Close at times, but... Not, not as perfect as God is, obviously. So, I love that this story just has the different, the different viewpoints because it's, it can speak to each of us in different ways. It can speak to us depending on what we're going through in our lives each moment. Um, but if you, if you want to just remember sort of the whole synopsis of this message today, the big idea that I felt... Um, really captured all of it was that he remains the perfect father regardless of my vantage point. So it doesn't matter how I see things. It doesn't matter um, if I'm struggling or if I'm doing perfect or, or anything in between. God, he always remains 
the perfect father. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter the perspective. Um, he, is, he is always there with us. He's always there helping us um, grow. So I felt like I wanted to share some scripture with you because I don't know what you're going through specifically today. But I want you to really think of, of whatever that is. So think of the struggle that you might be facing in your life at this time. Think of the things that, that you feel like you can't break through or the thing that you struggle believing that God has, has already taken care of or, or whatever that may be today. So while I read this, I feel like um, I just love like reading the scriptures and seeing what God's word says about the things that I'm dealing with. So, so maybe, today, maybe today you feel lost, like you don't know where to go. You don't know what the next step in your life is. You, have, you don't have the answers. But in Luke chapter 19, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So if you feel lost, you don't have to feel alone in that because Jesus came to seek you. He's seeking you so that he can save you and, and bring you through whatever it is that you feel lost in. Or maybe you're broken today, but, but in the psalm it says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in the spirit. Or maybe you're depressed today, but, but God's word says in Deuteronomy that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Or, or maybe you have sickness, whether it's physical, mental, anything in between. Whether, but whenever you read in, in 1 Peter, it says that by his wounds you are healed. So by his death on the cross and by his resurrection, that is whenever you are healed. It doesn't say that by his wounds you may be healed, but it says that by his wounds you have been healed. So we can stand in confidence knowing that God is strong enough to heal us in our sickness. Or maybe maybe you feel lonely. Like, no matter where you go, you just feel like you might have friends, you might have family, but but you just don't connect or you don't feel like like anything is coming from that. But if you feel lonely, God's word says in Isaiah 41 that fear not, for I am with you. So all throughout scripture, if you feel like if you feel like you're not sure what the next step is, you feel lost, you feel broken, you feel lonely, whatever it is today, God has the answer for you. It doesn't matter how you're viewing your life. It doesn't matter the way you see things or the perspective that you may have. God wants to transform that, and he wants to bring you through uh, whatever it is that you face today. So um, maybe you're listening to me, and you're like, all right, like this is this all sounds good, but I'm not sure if I can if I can like connect. I'm not sure if this applies to me specifically. Or maybe maybe you feel like you're too far gone to receive what God has for you, but I can promise you that you're not. Because if even if you just look, like I just sort of thought of the whole concept of whenever Jesus was crucified, there was a thief on either side of him. Neither of them lived a life that was pleasing to God. They were both dying because of their crimes that they committed. They were both on a cross dying because they were were criminals. And on one side, there was a man who was basically cursing Jesus. He was saying, you think you're this great God. Why don't you get us off this cross? Like, why don't, if you're so powerful, almost mocking him, then why can't you get us down? And then there's the man on the other side who says, he's almost like, dude, shut up. This guy didn't even do anything and he's dying, but we deserve this. So this is, this is what happened whenever, whenever Jesus was crucified. See, there's either side of this. There's the one who 
had the opportunity to realize who Jesus actually was. And, and then the man on the other side, he, he understood and he said, this man doesn't deserve to die, but I believe that he is actually what he, who he says he is. And in that moment, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's such a beautiful, beautiful picture of the heart of God because it's not about what we do. It's not about how good we can become or the things that we overcome in our lives on our own. Really what it's all about is that Jesus has forgiven us and all we need to do is believe that and accept it. And that's it. That's all it takes. So today, um, just a, in closing, the, the three things that we like to do here throughout our messages is just sort of reflect on how we can experience this, uh, explore it deeper, and then how to express it publicly. So these are sort of like the three, we call it the three E's of Encounter Church. Um, but to experience all of this, I just sort of wanted to take a moment today and, and let you understand that the Father is calling you home. He's calling you home really every moment, whether you've already given your life to Jesus or you, or you never have, or you feel like um, you're struggling or maybe whatever it is, Jesus is calling us home all the time. And in Acts, there's a scripture that says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that word repent, I know it's sort of like a very Christianese term. It's like repent. And a lot of times you see people on the street with those weird like cardboard signs like repent or die. And it's like, dude, go away. <laughs> That's not how it works. Um, but when we see that word repent, it's like it's, it's kind of hard to understand what that means. But what the word repent actually does mean is to come home. So it's not like a condemning thing. It's not like repent or you're done. What it means is that Jesus is saying, come home to me because you belong with me. I just saw a quote or, or something the other day on Facebook where it was like, I think it was by C.S. Lewis, and I'm probably going to botch it, but I'm going to try my best not to. But basically what it was saying was, why is it so difficult to believe that we are supposed to be like living in another world whenever nothing in this world is good enough for what we want. So we're striving toward um, to figure out what this world has to offer. We're always wanting more. We're always looking for more to fulfill something. But this world doesn't have it. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's what it's saying because Jesus is saying, come home to me because you belong with me. And that's what we're craving. That's what we're always searching for. And it's never going to die. So I wanted to give you an opportunity today just to respond to that. So why don't we all just stand for a moment? Um, and I like I like whenever the lights are down. So if you want to do that, that would be cool. Just a little more atmospheric, if that's a word. Um, but I want to challenge you today with everything that just that I feel like God has spoken to us today. God always has something different for certain people in certain situations. He, 
It's not like robotic. It's not just that there's, this is how you do things and that's it. But the Holy Spirit is always speaking differently to us, depending on what we need in that moment. So today, if you feel like you've never given your life to God, if you feel like you've never really taken that step where you want to um, just live for him, if you want to experience this love that he has to offer, if you want to experience the love of a father who, who's not condemning, who just wants to lift you up, he wants to fight with you, he wants to fight for you and everything that you face. I want to give you an opportunity just to say a simple prayer with us today. So if you feel like you want to take this moment today and, and change your perspective, if you want to change your vantage point from, I can do this on my own, to I know that I need something more, and I know that Jesus is, the, is what I need. If you want to take that step today, why don't we all just bow our heads and just close our eyes, and if you feel like that's what you want, just give me a little bit of a wave so that I can see, so that I can, so that I can agree with prayer with you today. So if that's you, if you feel like you want to just say a very simple prayer, if you feel like you believe in what Jesus has to offer, then just give me a peace sign. And then if you feel like today that maybe you do have that struggle with shame, if you feel like you don't think that you're good enough so you can't get any further in your relationship with God, or maybe you feel like you haven't done enough in your faith to to grow. Whatever it is, if you if you want to sort of refocus your mind, almost reboot your perspective, and just shift your focus back onto the heart of God. If you want to do that today, why don't you lift your hand as well? So God loves whenever we come home to him. I feel like his heart is just beating out of his chest in this moment because he looks down on us and he sees his children just craving his presence, just craving his relationship and, and pursuing him because I always love to say that God is always pursuing us. It's not a matter of whether we pursue him enough. It's that he is always pursuing us and all, all that we need to do is realize that and pursue him back and that's when things start to change so let's go ahead and just pray together today um i'll say a little sentence and then you can just sort of repeat after me um but let's not make this like a ritual let's make this something from our hearts this morning let's make this passionate prayer to God, a, a cry out to God just to ask him to reshift our focus today because I don't want it just to be a thing. I, I want it to be something from, from your inmost being today. So let's just pray this together as one voice. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you have forgiven me. I thank you that you have not called me to do life alone. But I am here for a greater purpose. I ask that you would forgive me of everything that I have done. 
I believe that you are God. I believe that you died 2,000 years ago for me. But you didn't stay there. I thank you that you rose again in three days. And I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, clap it up. <laughs> That's awesome. I just love, love the forgiveness of God. It's so pure. It's so, so honest. And so today, just as we close it out, um, I just want to thank you really to just just for hearing me out for I hope that I hope that what I had in my heart got out right sometimes it's difficult for me to say what I hear God speak it to me um, but it's just my prayer that as as you sort of reflect on this message throughout the week maybe or, or in life groups um, that God would just continue to speak to you through that um, he he loves you so much and it doesn't really matter what you've done, but just in, in thankfulness to what he has done, why don't we just continue to pursue him and try our best to become more like him. Um, so in this moment, we're going to uh, just just worship in giving. So service, so you can go ahead and move forward. Um, but we feel like at Encounter that it is very important to not only just to worship a song or to worship with, with our uh, abilities or um, the talents that we have, but there's just something about giving of our resources to God that I think, uh, you know, he sees, it's a, it's a difficult action, even for myself. It's, it's difficult sometimes whenever I know that I got like a bill coming up or, or I'm not really sure if I'm going to have enough money this month to pay all the crazy bills that adults have to deal with hashtag adulting um but whenever we just set that aside and obey what god has called us to do in the bible and just give um he always always blesses us for that and he will always provide um so we got three very simple ways to give either right now as the baskets are passed the very traditional way uh we also have online giving at encounteringgiving.com that's the way i like to do it it's very easy and then also, if you'd like to set it up recurring, which I don't do because I make different amount of money every week, but if you'd like to do that, you can go ahead and do that. Um, so I'm just going to pray one more time, and then we can go ahead and do that this morning. So God, thank you so much for everything that you've done in our lives. Thank you so much for the love that you've constantly poured out on us, the mercy that is new every morning. I pray this morning that as we give from, from our hearts, as we give to you to to, to help your kingdom advance. Father, I pray that you would bless the money that is given, that it would be multiplied just through what you have in mind for it, God. And I thank you for each one of these people that are here this morning, that you would bless each one of them and that you would just continue to speak into their lives and bless us for, for our hearts, just being willing to give to you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, 
you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.